Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Neil Grandy joins me once again, but this time with Charlie LeDuc, both members of the Canadian brutal technical death metal band Deformatory. This episode will air on September 13th, the same date that Deformatory will release their latest brutal EP titled Harbinger. These guys once again stepped up their technicality and brutality and put it into a concise, four-song package with incredible artwork. Make sure to check it out. Neil, good to see you again, and Charlie, it's great to finally meet you. Likewise, Jeff. How has the last year treated you both? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's been busy, I mean, you know, in terms of the the band and stuff like that, I mean, but... uh... Uh, you know, I mean, working through the pandemic and stuff like that. But I mean, overall, uh, it was great to be able to, you know, get this record recorded, get it mixed and and really get this EP out. And, you know, again, somewhere hugely proud about and finally, uh, finally able to, to, to unleash it out there. So really happy with that. I think Neil says it right. I think, you know, we, we kind of are labeled as like relentless death metal somehow. <laughs> like I find all death metal is relentless. But uh, but I think like it's just been a relentless year, like putting out inversion which for us which was it was a big endeavor and then immediately jumping into harbinger and, and all the things that go with this like it's it's been relentless to say the least and uh yeah we're really looking forward to getting this out and and done with so we can concentrate on on uh the next <laughs> the next uh, little chapter at the release of inversion you guys were already working on this ep we're always working on stuff like th- there, there's never a moment where we don't have something new in the bag uh that's just kind of the way that it it is so. Yeah, uh, I think that when we were when we were just wrapping up Inversion, we were we had already written parts or riffs for the first song, and we already knew okay, like this is the musical direction that we're gonna go into for this particular release. We kind of started channeling our vision, and uh, and when, once we solidified that, once Inversion was done, it opened up the floodgates for our creativity, and everything just finalized in rapid form, and we booked everything right away to kind of get it all done so and it's got to feel good to be able to put this out in such a short time when compared to inversion uh, i remember you guys saying that you had been working on that for quite a few years yeah yeah we spent quite a while on inversion and, and a lot of time and, and care i think really on it you know we, we had a specific vision that we really wanted to meet with it and and we just put a, a lot of time and effort into organizing all the different pieces that we wanted you know the video part of it and the look part of it and and just how we wanted to release it we spent an incredible amount of time on, on organizing that um you know and we obviously you know same care taken with, with harbinger but uh yeah it's been a lot of work it's relentless i think it's probably the best way to put it you know you go from one release i mean it had six months overall process of trying to get it out there for everybody and that kind of thing and you know now we're already got the the next thing ready to go you know and try to try to keep the name out there and you know hopefully people dig it yeah i think it was definitely uh, um, a concerted effort to you know between malediction and inversion it was like a five five year wait between like an actual album you know we put out the two singles or whatever in 2018 but uh we, we didn't want to wait five years for yeah. something else and especially since we had we were like in the pocket like we were writing stuff it was coming together we were really stoked about it we had the whole vision for what we want to everything was already done all, all of the the major planning elements were already completed. So, you know, we, we figured, well, you know, what's the, the one thing that defines what we do musically is once you think you kind of know where the song's going, we kind of veer off to the left or just when you're getting hooked into like a riff, like, ah, fuck you, we're going this direction, right? <laughs> so it's like, and, and like we do that just as a band in general, like, you know, people expect us to do a certain thing. We immediately buck against that. 
you know, people assumed that we would put everything on Spotify. We said, no, we're taking everything off Spotify. You know, we do any, anything like that, we will aberrate. We will deform, you know, kind of go a little bit uh, sideways. So um, we want to put something out within the year. In fact, originally, I think we wanted something out in the same year <laughs> as oh, wow. as in, in version, but uh, we decided to kind of push the brakes a little bit and, and, and get, get everything uh, finalized properly. It's, I mean, you almost made that one year um, limit. It's only what, like 10 days difference, I guess? Yep. Yeah, pretty much. It's close. <laughs> was that, uh, like you said, was that, um, said you wanted to make it within the year, but was that kind of planned having it around the same time? Yeah, there, there, there's like a couple of things with almost all of our releases. We have a lot of numerology kind of built into concepts or or things that, that are kind of like easter eggs for us more than anything like you know we don't really make that front and center we don't put that into press release stuff we don't really talk about it a whole heck of a lot but in everything that we do there's tons of hidden messages tons of hidden uh, symbolism woven into things as simple as the release date the numbers that they add up to being um even on inversion we made a concerted effort to have the triangle the the portal uh, that you could see on the front cover as a triangle because it was really important to have three sides to it and that's why we divided the album into three chapters and hmm. it was released on the third of september which is you know the ninth month it's a derivative of three like there's all like these everything <laughs> uh starts kind of getting layered into it really deeply on on things that don't matter to anyone else it doesn't matter it's for us you know it's like what, what we were kind of talking about before we started recording, right? Which is when we put out an album, we let it go and it no longer becomes ours, mm -hmm. right? It becomes everyone else's, which is cool. That's a whole point. Uh, but we we weave a lot of these little tiny things in because it's not completely everyone's. <laughs> there, there's these little elements that only belong to us that only we know. And, and Neil's fantastic. He does all like the layout stuff, like just artwork and, and, and that's all for the albums and the packages. And, you know, there's like layers that are, are are in there that are not visible unless like, you know, like there's there's things that are reduced to like 1% opacity that like you can't really see. There's messages tied in, like tucked in everywhere. And uh, it's, it's those little things that I think that make what we try to do a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That sounds pretty cool, Neil. I remember you touching on, um, I think we both touched on it, just the amount of detail that... Uh, that some album covers incorporate and how you really enjoyed looking into that artwork. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the the art part of it and, and the layout part. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that I get to do it, you know, for uh, for, for this. Um, but yeah, no, Inversion took a, a lot of time. There's a lot of, um, yeah, hidden text and, and, and smaller text and various things like that kind of buried all throughout uh, the insert and in different areas, different pages and things like that. I mean, it, it's fun, like you said. I mean, it, it, it's it's stuff that, you know, means something to us. We, we know that it's there and i mean that's kind of what uh, that's what you know makes it important that we, we know that it's there um and uh yeah i i really enjoy doing a lot of that and you know i get a lot of you know just push to come up with something creatively different right i mean how many ways can you do a multi-book insert how many ways can you lay a cd out you know so i mean you, you try and you know do something different i mean want it to be original you know not just you know giant logo and name and you know some random thing i mean you know we, we want to try and put something out of what we think is you know extreme quality and uh, really trying to you know at least to push the the genre that we play in so i i think we i think we try and do that every time 
Well, and that creativity comes through and even like your cassette releases, if I remember correctly, on your Instagram, I saw like a fold-out cassette box. Yeah, we did that for the inversion, the the, the Maltese Cross fold-out thing again, which was really neat. I mean, Charlie found that, um, you know, and then we, we mocked all that up or whatnot. But it was neat because it gave me a different idea in terms of like how to, how to interpret the graphics. Because, I mean, I had spent so long on the CD part of it. I mean, I, I, I'd seen it so long on my screen. You know what I mean? So it was crazy to hold the physical CD, but it was really neat to to be able to go and reimagine the layout and the text and the images um, and how to do that on a completely different shape insert. You know, it's really, and it has some neat stuff like the little tab when you pull it out, how it has a symbol on it and, and just neat stuff you can't do on a CD, right? So mm-hmm. it, it was just a lot of fun being able to, to do some different stuff like that. And the vinyl was neat. We did a 12 inch vinyl also for inversion. Um, you know, and again, being able to lay that out for the record, it was, I'll be honest, it was absolutely incredible uh, to see the album cover, like on a 12 inch record size. Uh, it, it was, I never thought I would ever see that. You know what I mean? So it was, it was crazy to be able to, uh, to have that and, and be able to, you know, go get it and look at it. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to be able to hold that. <laughs> it's always cool to see that uh, sense of pride and accomplishment that come from musicians when they put out like a, an album that they're so men- uh, mentally and like emotionally invested in. Yeah, that record, I mean, we, we put like five years roughly worth of effort into that. I mean, we, we really tried to fine tune and craft those songs. We, we at points in time had written complete songs. We scrapped complete songs, scrapped half of songs. I mean, songs we had rehearsed for like a year or more that we knew top to bottom, we were, we would scrap and start over. You know, we, we really wanted to be extremely proud of it um, and, and have it at a, at a level um and if it, it didn't make the cut it didn't make the cut you know and we wanted the artwork to reflect that we wanted the all the, the layout work we wanted the videos to reflect that um the involvement i mean we were great to be able to get john from uh from cryptopsy fame to be able to to be involved in this project um it it ticked all the boxes and met all our expectation how does that um compare to like the writing process or creative process with harbinger did you scrap a lot of the songs did you have to go back and change a lot of things or was it relatively smooth sailing for you guys it was relatively smooth sailing um like uh like, like you know i think like what you're you're picking up from what, what we were trying to say is that like uh, everything matters for us right like uh, there's no element that's out of its place nothing is there haphazardly everything is created with intent and purpose and mm-hmm. and for us we view the music as the the total package the the way that the art looks the font choice like all, all that stuff that's like really important to us we we view that in and and so when it when it comes to the writing process we take a very similar approach but with, with not as much um preconceived calculation mm. so we we write in the moment we write what we feel we write what we think sounds good regardless of whether it's correct or in key or, or, or whatever the case may be, we, we don't necessarily care about that. Now, obviously we, you know, we do have some criteria that we try to adhere to, but for the most part, we, we write songs that are capturing a specific atmosphere or feel or energy more than anything else. Hmm. And the, the, the beauty is that everything really wraps together because before we even start writing, we have a general concept of what the album, the music is going to be, in, in a lot of cases, like an inversion and even in Harbinger, we had the artwork ahead of time. Okay. So a lot, a lot of those things help to kind of fuel or influence or propagate a lot of the ideas. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Harbinger musically itself, it came together really, really quickly. We didn't do a lot of rewrites. There were like, I think a handful of things that, um, that we decided to ax or add in or embellish a little bit more, but nothing that was overly time consuming. 
Hmm. Uh, you know, we, we really, if you listen back to some of the demos, like our, our rehearsal demos of these four songs, the, the differences are negligible in what you hear on those demos versus what you hear on the final product. Oh, cool. That's an interesting uh, change between the two releases. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, we write songs based on us jamming, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, that that's how we go in. I mean, we'll go into rehearsal, Charlie will just start playing something, and I'll start playing along with it, and then we'll, like, literally jam for, like, 20 minutes, just making up stuff as we go. And, and because we played together for so long, um, you know, I think we have a, a very good feel in terms of when we're, when we're playing, and that's how songs get written. You know, like I said, mm -hmm. we'll jam for 20 minutes, and we'll stop and be like, Hey, that part was cool. That part was cool. Hey, do you remember it? And then when you try and go back and remember it, it may be modified a little bit. You know what I mean? So then that's how we develop it, you know, and then we'll, we'll have a few riffs put together. Then we'll record that, you know, and then we'll go back and visit it again. And then we'll continue to add on basically by jamming. So everything is, everything's, emo everything's emotional. Everything's, you know, by feeling it's not Charlie sitting at home writing a song in in guitar pro and then you know get, give me like a guitar pro song with you know midi drums and stuff like that and we learn it everything is done in the room uh basically together and that's how we craft it it's it's just it's pure jamming yeah. and it's where we feel it needs to go at that time and it's it's kind of always been like that like this is nothing new it's not something we just did on inversion neil and i have always written in this fashion and mm -hmm. uh, i think for for him and i especially and, and you know it, it's very important that we're unanimous musically you know, and, and I would say that for the most part, um, you know, we, we're in total alignment musically with where we want a particular thing to go. And, 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 and if, if it doesn't, if we're not completely in line, like it's very obvious, you know, uh, we listen back to the tracks, we're like, ah, not, not feeling it. And even if the other person maybe is, because we're both not aligned, we will acquiesce. We'll, we'll let it, we'll let it go. We'll say, okay, well, let's shelve it. Maybe we'll pull some riff ideas from that later. So nothing is like ever completely lost. It's just maybe not, you know, being pushed to the forefront right now. Mm -hmm. Now, when, so, when, when we wrote like Malediction, mm -hmm. we were, we were writing in a very sim similar fashion. I remember when we wrote the first song for the album Malediction, which actually ended up being like track three yep. called Obsequium. Yeah. We wrote that in this small jam space that we were in and and i remember we, we wrote it on the spot and literally the song that you hear on the record is what came out in that jam that first time mm -hmm. there's like very little let's change aside from some harmonies and things like that now we were a full five-piece band at that moment at that time you know we were writing music like that you know it was just taking a lot longer because we wanted that alignment to be between five people mm -hmm. right and, and that's not always possible uh, and and sometimes because of that things will move forward uh, and as the years progressed that alignment became easier and easier to to come across because well it's it's now just neil and i right yeah. uh, and so yeah so so the the process the writing process is very similar to how we've been doing it now for for almost a, you know for over a decade but but we're just getting to the end product a lot quicker because we're so well aligned at this stage well, and like you touched on already, you guys have been playing music together for so long. And so what's not what's changed is not your writing process or your style of playing, but it's the fact that you guys can now communicate better and you have that that higher trust in each other as well. And you have that, um, I guess, view of what you guys, where you guys want to go in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like aside from just like writing music, like we, we share music with each other, like, you know, just like like anyone that's like, know a friend you know we, we find something cool like a new band or like a man check check this shit out or we find mm -hmm. like 
you know a live show of a morbid angel set and they do like this one thing different like yo you got to check this out so we're constantly sharing new music and that sparks new ideas and and yeah it's really kind of cool to have someone like that and and i think when you're and i can only speak for myself like when i'm jamming with neil um it's 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 a privilege because like I, don't know about that. I mean like well listen i like okay there's a few things that aren't privileges but i mean the uh, you know as as a whole it's a privilege because like nothing's off the table i'm mean, like i, I tell him like I, I want to go faster he, mm -hmm. he you know neil never says i can't do it he's like he'll you'll be like come on like faster we got to go you know slower like no no we got to go faster and you know what you know what neil does he, he develops a new technique he fucking practices and like now he's doing this right now like at this stage he's doing this blast technique like i don't know what you call it neil like i just call it like oh, the switch. oh, just, oh yeah just just the switch blast stuff i mean anyway it's, it's it's new for me but it definitely allows us to go a lot faster which is good so so now that he could do that now i have all these fucking ideas like oh this is this is just fucking killer right and and and, and it's it's really neat that kind of still at this stage in the game, like 10 years later, like Neil's pushing himself technique wise and, and, and ability wise. And I'm trying to come up with something that's a little bit new and different, maybe a different pe you know, picking style, a different chord structure, um, just in general. And we're both we both feed off of that. And it, it's kind of still really fresh, I find um, meeting up. And that's why I find it a privilege because like I come on, you know, Coming up to the jam space, I could hear Neil practicing something. It's like I've never heard him do this shit before. Okay, what the fuck's Neil cooking up now? And 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 then immediately I wanted to just take my guitar and like, okay, play that again. And then yeah. boom, a fucking song comes out because now I'm super jazz. You know what I mean? So it's really cool. It's a really cool thing. Do some of all right? Do all the new ideas generally come from metal, or do you kind of branch out into other genres of music as well? No. There's I I. I, I no, no. Uh, every idea I come up with comes. I don't listen to anything else other, you know, than than metal. I mean, you know, there there are things that I appreciate. There are things that you know I won't hate or whatever. But like, ninety nine point five percent of the time, I'm listening to metal. The other point five percent of the time is like news, radio, and whatever my <laughs> wife is subjecting me to on on a long drive. Yeah, that's about. That's right. it. You know, uh, but no. So so every idea comes comes from metal, uh, and and. I, and Neil's very much the same way. Like he's not like, "Hey, man, I got this like real cool jazz paradiddle bullshit." Like, no, it's just like, yeah, "How do we make it faster? How do we make it heavier? How do we make it yeah, like just just be the the most hateful, killingest thing that we can possibly write and put out?" I mean, that's that's the goal, you know. Like it's yeah, it's never fast <laughs> enough. It's never. Heavy we, ha we have this we have this like this this bizarre uh, OCD kind of like fear and topon. Yeah, uh, from apartment two, like if ever you chat with him, he'll tell you like we have this irrational fear of of being slow and writing slow <laughs> shit. So we're we're always like, fuck man, we're really selling out. Like we're we're pussing out right now. Like this this stuff is so slow. Exactly. And, and Topon's like, what are you guys fucking talking about? This shit is just bat, you know, batshit crazy. And we're like, ah, it's it's a little weak. I think you know we're starting to like slow down. We sound like you know incantation or like whatever we have this weird fear about sounding really slow um and yeah i think that just kind of shows you kind of where we're at so we don't listen to anything well i can speak for myself i don't listen to anything uh other than metal and especially when it comes to influencing what we write in deformatory it's all coming it's all coming from the same cup you know yeah no, same way but yeah i always have that irrational fear of it, it just seems slow you know and always just pushing i, I don't want to be seen as like a a slow band you know you you just want i just 
I don't know. I just get the idea. I want somebody to listen to it and just shake their head. That is just, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous and unfair. Yeah, that's, you know. I guess I want. I guess I think of it as like the first time I heard like Origin or something like that. You know what I mean? It was just. This is just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like, and that's that's just, that's what I want. <laughs> it's 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 our favorite thing that we that I think we we both miss a lot about playing live shows, is watching, like, uh, watching the crowd and people after we're done a song or after a set just standing there like their mouth are open they they have no idea what the fuck happened uh you know what they thought was going to occur did not occur it occurred much faster much more much more you know aggressively and and and, and, and you know we get that all the time right we get that from people like holy crap like uh how do you guys play and sing guitar at the same time how, how do you do how do you play drums that fast for a full set and like don't break a sweat like how do you neil doesn't sweat like he's like prince andrew right like he just has no sweat glands um but yeah just it's just crazy and you know and like it's that kind of reaction that you get from from playing live or with people that you don't get from some like you know basement nerd listening to our ripped album from some russian torrent site you know uh in his basement you know what i mean so like we don't get that reaction um and it's something i think that we both kind of miss and both kind of crave so a lot of that touches on actually my next question. Um, now that Inversion has been out for uh, nearly a year at the time of this recording and that you've been able to pick it apart and expand upon what you've already built, um, of course, we've talked about like the intensity, the brutality, and just like picking everything up a notch. But what are some things that you've changed moving into the new music and what are some aspects that you guys felt were important to remain the same? <laughs> and that, that, that's, that's a terrific question. I, I mean, we could break, we could break that down for, for a while. I mean... Uh, I think I think for us, um, the thing that we wanted to do a little bit differently musically was um, really rely on an aggressive feel. We, we talked more this album about the atmosphere of the album, uh, of the songs, more than the individual parts within them. Mm. And, and and that was something that was that was quite important to us because we, we this is one of the few albums uh, definitely the the album that has the most poignant message that i'm trying to get across like lyrically and it was very important that the music helped carry that message along because of how i was going to do the lyrics um and and so it, it became more important to have this particular vibe and and that's a little bit different than how we approach the music on inversion where each song uh we dove into the weeds with them. Mm. We we wanted specific parts, specific sections. Uh, you know, we we kind of massage things a little bit more. We play them for a lot longer, and the longer you get to play something, the more you're like, fuck. You know, we should we should tweak this one thing. You know, we should add this, and and you know, and that's that's like a really cool thing. I could see how bands could you know sit on material for ten years. You know, just per, you know perfecting it, and we we did a little bit of that with Inversion. You know, because of how long we sitting on the material before we released it right with harbinger we didn't we we didn't we deliberately chose not to give it that luxury mm. the song was done it was created we were happy with it that was it we didn't fucking molest it we didn't creep into its bedroom at night <laughs> you know we just left it as is because it, it perfectly captured in that moment what we were trying to convey and, and I think that that's the one thing fundamentally, and, and, you know, we could talk about different techniques and there's a lot of things that we added in and change, like whether it's like guitar style, drumming style, and even, uh, from, from uh, a production perspective that we t 
tweaked a little bit and I'm happy to talk about that stuff. But I think overall, the, the fundamental difference is that, uh, at least for me. I mean, I, yeah, I would agree. I think just overall song approach, I think we looked at it as more an overall package. I mean, I, I felt like Inversion was, we, we spent a lot of time on the individual songs and the individual parts that made it up. But I felt like Harbinger, mm. I really spent a lot of time just on, on the whole thing as a whole. You know, and and um, I mean, we may have tried to take a little bit more care on some of the song structure, but I, I maybe at a more subconscious level, you know, we don't we don't we don't write any kind of like structured stuff. We just write whatever we write. You know, we don't do the first chorus intro. We don't do any of that stuff. We just write whatever we write. But I think this time we try to take a little more care um, and, you know, we get better working together as well. So I think the products themselves that we're more satisfied with uh, come together quicker. And uh, I think that happened with this one. Um, you know, I think the songs are great, uh, mm. brutal, aggressive as hell. I mean, and they're they're a blast to play. And I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. Apparently, you mentioned that you uh, wrote a little bit different lyrically on this uh, release. Would that also partly explain the um, change in like the titling of your songs? I noticed that with this new EP, they're all basically two syllable words comprised of two smaller words, and that's Inver- it. Whereas or, or version, they were like this long. Yeah. They were <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like um, uh, everything is deliberate and calculated, right? For what we do. So when we came around and we decided to create Harbinger, mm-hmm. we made a conscious decision to do a number of things completely different than what we did on Inversion. On Inversion, we took uh, as many creative liberties as we could, and, and you know, and in hindsight, perhaps a little too many because you know we we kind of lost a lot of people, which I don't really give a fuck about. But like you know, like we, it, it was complex. The concept mm-hmm. was very uh you know um that you know really in depth and and it, you know at first glance when you're and and i applaud to a certain extent uh you know the, the guy who was helping us with promo work because he had to like try and take all of those ideas that we had on inversion and condense them into like a readable format and mm-hmm. you know and, and we had to help him quite a bit because it was it was quite you know quite difficult but with, with harbinger we consciously chose out of the gate uh that we were just going to go completely you know sideways from what we did on inversion. And, and I think a lot of people anticipated that we would kind of carry on with the worlds and, and the, the concepts that we had created on Malediction and in, in Inversion because those two albums uh, are just deeper uh, pictures of themselves, right? So we, we, and on Inversion, we dove significantly deeper into the concept that we created on Malediction. Mm-hmm. But we wanted this, we wanted Inversion to be the, the, the final chapter in all of those kind of ideas. And so when we went into Harbinger, we're like, well, we're just going to do something completely different. We're going to talk about something completely different. We're, we're, we're not bringing anything in that's the same. We, you know, the, the title is going to be a single word title. Uh, the song titles are going to be these amalgamations of words that aren't commonly combined and, and so on and so forth. And, and they all have their own individual meanings uh, with regards to like the lyrical theme and like the overall process. But we wanted to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And we wanted the packaging to be simple. We wanted, you know, how we release it to be very simple. Like right now, we're in the middle of a promo campaign and we don't have a single, single release. We haven't, we haven't released a track for anyone to listen to, right? Because we're like, listen, it's 15 minutes of music. Yeah. Uh, you guys know what we're about at this stage in the game. If, if people know who the fuck we are, then they know what they could expect, you know, at this stage. Like you don't need a single have some patience, be like, like it was back in the day where like you heard of an album that was coming out. It was coming out on this date. You fucking waited outside the music store for that fucking door to open. So you could rush in and buy the the 20 copies that were there at that particular store. Mm-hmm. That's what it was like back in the day. I know that's like not, it, it's impossible to like force that idea on 
society as a whole today, but in our own little way, we want to do that with Harbinger. So there's like a lot of things that we deliberately chose before we even started writing that we were going to do differently on this album, all the way to how we were going to release it. You know what I mean? And, uh, and we came up with like some, some ideas that were different and new for us that were also going to be challenging. You know, uh, on Inversion, we did, and, and to Neil's credit, Neil did like a metric ton of video editing because we, we, you know, we were silent or dormant for, you know, more or less five years. So we figured no one remembers who we are, which is cool. Uh, so let's like do this whole, you know, no one asked for it, but let's do a whole biography series on, on this underground death metal band, which is hilarious because, you know... <laughs> Like there, there, there's there's major bands that I would love to see a documentary on and they don't exist. But yet here we are, this like little underground death metal band from Ottawa saying, fuck it, we're going to do it. And and then doing it, you know, which is really cool. Uh, but also like almost every song has a video for it. You know, that's like a lot of work. That's a lot of time and effort and energy that goes into it. And we decided for Harbinger, we're going to do just one video. Like essentially one, the whole EP is going to be released as one giant music video. That's it. Oh, that's what that's going to be like, cool. There, there's no single, there's no teaser, there's, you know, like, you know, there's little teasers, we have to do it because, you know, whatever, we're told we have to do it, so we did it, whatever. But but in, in general, like, th this is the album, here it is, because, again, every every element is very important to the overall final product. So mm -hmm. the imagery that we're tying into the video, uh, the feel, the vibe, the atmosphere that we put into creating the video is super important in accentuating the music. And so that's that's kind of like before we even jumped into this, we had we had all of that kind of locked in. I like that you guys aren't releasing singles, and this is just from a listener. Like I'm not a musician at all, but when a band releases a single, it's kind of like you're you're wanting more because it's like a little bit of a taste. But then you're waiting weeks or a few months or something like that up to the release, and then by the time the album's out, you're like, I've already heard most of it. So it's nice to get like a short, concise package if you're releasing the EP, maybe a single or two if you're releasing a full album, just to give a little bit of a taster. But I think it's a cool approach. Time will tell. I mean, you know, to be to be <laughs> to be honest, like the, uh, you know, we're we're working again with uh, with a promo company, and they don't seem to be that enthusiastic about our approach. You mm -hmm. know, because again, it's different. It's 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 an aberration of the norm. Even for for a person who, you know, his entire career is based around helping metal musicians, like he has a very like rigid like this is the way you you, you do a promo. And we're like, well, mm -hmm. who says that's the way that you do a promo? Like, let's try something new. Maybe let's create something different. You know. And so yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a bit it's a bit challenging um, because yeah, there, there's at the at the core of us, at both Neil and I, we just want to release this. Mm -hmm. You know, originally we weren't going to do any any CD, any video, any fuck all. We were just going to put up on Bandcamp and be like, here you go, motherfuckers. Here's an album. Yeah, that's it. That's how we were going to do it originally. But then you know we we fell in love with the music so much and the overall idea that we're like, okay, well, we have to give it a little bit of some effort because it's worth it. In our, in our opinions. Mm -hmm. And so you've already touched on the fact that this doesn't continue the story um, that was overarching in the last two albums. Yes. Okay. Um, so things have changed lyrically. Obviously, the style of it, like the, the short nature of the, the titles, the, the album itself. Um, but I know there's a story behind that artwork. So what can you guys tell me about that? Uh, so so the artwork, like you mean like the album artwork, yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Cool, so man. I like it quite a bit. Oh, cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're really happy with it. And, and to be honest, that's like an album cover that we almost use on inversion, to be honest. Oh, shit. Um, so we have, and again, 
you know, everything is very calculated, but sometimes our calculations are a bit off, Yeah, they don't right? Work. We're not fucking mathematicians, you know, we're, we're death metal musicians and we have careers and families and things get in the way. But the bigger, the, the, the short end of the story is that we, um, uh, Paulo Girardi, who's the artist who painted the cover for Harbinger is one of our favorite artists, period. We have his artwork up at a rehearsal space. I have like signed prints of his, I, you know, mm. To me, uh, almost everything he does is gold. I think he's just just one of these unique artists that, that people in years to come are going to be like, wow, what a fucking talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a fucking talent. And, um, and so we, we had reached out to him um, you know, during malediction. Yeah, like years, to, years in advance. Yeah, okay. to get some artwork done. And he was totally down, but he, he, you know, he's a busy guy. He has a fucking wait list. Like, obviously, this guy has a wait list, right? Like, the covers this. So, so we we were basically like on his wait list, and then uh, there was a point in time where we were like kind of in limbo with things. And anyways, it took like two three years for him to be like, hey, yeah, by the way, I'm I'm ready to do your artwork. We we had actually forgotten in a way that we were on his wait list because like it was like this like running joke uh, mm-hmm. in the band like. You know, oh, have you heard from Paulo yet? He's like, yeah, he's saying, he's saying it's going to be soon. You know, it's always going to be soon, but like, you know, <laughs> and it just never happened because it got so busy, which is like awesome. So after a while, we were just kind of like, you know what? We're, we're going to press forward. We have like this whole concept idea. So we, we found like the, the British version of, of Paulo Gerard. We found Paul Gerard, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like yeah. a funny when you think of it, like the, the, the name of the awesome. artist. Uh, and, and Paul Gerard actually in the end was exactly who we wanted we never thought, and I think Neil talked on that talked about that the last time with you. But mm-hmm. we never ever thought that he would acknowledge our email, let alone you know in the end designing the cover. And it, that was just like, like Neil said, it was like the stars aligned perfectly for that to happen. It was like this amazing series of of like coincidences that this you know partnership occurred. But as soon as Paul Gerard sent his first sketch, Paul Girardi pops up and he's like, "Hey guys." All right, you guys are next. I'm ready to go. And we're like, fuck. We just like dumped thousands of dollars onto like this artwork by Paul Gerard. And now Paul Gerardi is like, I'm ready uh, to do your artwork. And we're like, man. And and at the same time, we were we were having some issues um, internally with our label that we were on, and we were we were making a decision to kind of cut out of it. And and uh, you know, there was all sorts of you know things going on there that I don't necessarily want to get into but but bottom line like the label just wasn't going to support us uh in our vision with what we were going to be doing mm-hmm. you know in terms of releases and we, we really wanted to do put out some vinyl and things like that labels like ah you know it's too expensive to do anything you know like best, best I could do is uh you know like a floppy disk or whatever the fuck they were trying to <laughs> sell us on at the time so anyways so there's like a lot of like a lot of things that were happening in that moment that that made um, the decision to go with Paul Girard and stick with Paulo Girardi for um, a very similar concept to what we were thinking of, but but tweaking it a bit. Mm-hmm. And so, so uh, yeah, so at, at one point we had both of these two pieces of art and Neil was designing album covers for inversion with both of them. Um, but in the end, we, you know, we, we ended up going with Paul Girard for a number of different reasons. It, it matched a little bit more for inversion, the label bullshit, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff that we wanted. So, um, so, so fast forward to Harbinger, um, the artwork itself matched perfectly with uh, a general concept that tied in a little bit to, to what we were going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea behind Harbinger is basically just like this cathartic 
outpouring of frustration and anger about everything that the whole world was going through during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the virus and all that kind of stuff, but like the constantly moving the goalposts. Like, oh, all you need to do is, you know, that's two weeks to flatten the curve. And then like you fucking adjust your life. And oh, another two weeks. You need mm-hmm. six vaccinations. You need like, you know, all, all these things, you know, it, it became very clear and very frustrating that they didn't know what the fuck <laughs> they were doing despite, you know, history repeating itself in a lot of ways. Uh, and so regardless of like our own personal viewpoints, there was like this general feeling of like feeling trapped, right? We were at the mercy of like uh, a king, a governments telling us what we can do, can't do, when we can do it, when we could kind of do it. Oh, y'all have been good boys. Here's a little bit of freedom. Oh, no, we got to take that back. You know, like yeah. all this kind of bullshit. And, you know, regardless of like the the reason, like there's a feeling internally within all of us, I think that, that was getting frustrated and people were trying to, you know, say, you know, forsake that frustration, follow the rules, you know, let's, if we all just do our part, we could fucking get through this and get back to normal mm-hmm. and nothing was getting back to normal. Still nothing is back to normal. In fact, there's a lot of ways things are a lot worse than they were in a lot of ways. And, and there's this frustration, there's this anger. I mean, you could feel it when you talk to anyone who discusses the last couple of years of their life and, and who's also thinking about the next couple of years ahead. Mm-hmm. There's this fucking uncertainty. There's this fear, this anger, this, and it's misplaced. You can't say certain things because you're going to be labeled fringe. You can't say certain things because you're going to be extreme. You know, like there's all these things that you can't do, you can't say. And I don't know about you, but for me, as, as a person who my entire life, have gone against the grain this this is the most fucking frustrating thing in the world to be a responsible member of society and being told what to do when when not agreeing with it 100 percent. so instead of being a fucking lunatic and going completely postal or grabbing a fucking truck and driving to parliament hill and honking like an idiot <laughs> right decided to like let's channel it in a much more creative fashion you know what I mean? And so on Harbinger, we're not trying to push any particular viewpoint. Mm-hmm. We're just channeling and tap, tapping into like that frustration, that anger, that fucking helplessness, that feeling like you're in a cage being poked with a goddamn stick all mm-hmm. the time and you can't do anything about it because then you're just going to get put down. That feeling is what we hope people feel when they listen mm-hmm. to Harbinger because that, that's what the fuck's coming out. That's ex- like 100%. And all the songs are about that. And the, not only the songs lyrically, but... The flow of the songs, the, the how track three starts, which is like this kind of like nice. It's got like this weird kind of like uh, Topon cause like a Guns N' Roses guitar solo, right? It's like, it's kind of beautiful. It's like, oh, fuck, finally, the formatory is becoming <laughs> musical. And then it's like, boom, it just fucking hits you, right? And and then the, the, the craziest riff and craziest drum patterns come in. But that's what it felt like when things were opening up. The fucking sun was shining. People were going out the patios and, and traveling and seeing family. And then all of a sudden, boom, the fucking, the mm-hmm. wall hit and that feeling again, right? came in and and so even musically aside from lyrically we wanted to convey a lot of that without mm-hmm. without having like a direct stance you know like you know is this was this a pandemic was it released by like all, all the conspiracy theories were, were saying clear that we're not part of the fucking freedom trucker convoy association we're not none of that stuff to us matters that's all that's all smoke and mirrors You know, at the end of the day, what we're dealing with, realistically, what we're dealing with internally and within our own homes, our families, our our close circles is feelings, is emotions, is all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, and that can be, that's, 
that's the same feeling as everybody, regardless of your stance exactly. on how this thing happened or what the position was. Everyone was frustrated because of those reasons. At least I think they were. Oh, yeah. Pre precisely. And that's what we talk about. We're, we we believe somehow. Uh, and again, when you look at the cover, it's it's a it's it's still kind of a cosmic kind of cover. And, and that's why it ties in so perfectly to the theme, because we believe that we tapped into this global collective cosmic anger. That, mm -hmm. that that that's that's basically now just like this fucking this this gas around our planet right uh we we've tapped into that uh for this album that's what i believe because because these songs are are completely different in a lot of ways than our entire back catalog some people may listen to these songs who have known us for for years and think that we we are maybe not as technical or as as pushing the boundaries as we have before not doing some of the weirder stuff you know, it's more linear more straightforward and, and you know what? That's probably the case because we were we were thinking and writing the album as a whole. And as a whole, we were fucking angry. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, I and I think that we were just kind of pulling in from everyone's kind of anger. And we were like, you know what? We know you can't do anything about it. We know how everyone's feeling. Let's harness, channel that, and let's fucking just put it out mm -hmm. in trem picking, blast beats, growls, all this kind of stuff. Let's just... I'll just put it out there and i'll tell you something i know everything hasn't really changed all that much and the world is still shit and you know it's going to continue to be shit and you know and I'll, I'll get into a little bit about that later but i feel a little bit better a mm. little bit better i feel like i'm i have a little bit off my chest enough to kind of sift through the weeds and and get ready for the next hunk of bullshit coming our way and you know when we talk about artwork and that's what i kind of touch on right now is paul Jordy did a fantastic fantastic job with the the artwork cover itself the details in there are absolutely incredible his color choices again when you're thinking about the pandemic or you're thinking about the last number of years like there's there's a lot of beauty out of that as well a lot of a lot of people found um meaning in their life Mm -hmm. You know, the great resignation. People were quitting jobs that weren't fulfilling them because it was no longer a priority for them to work 30 hours a day and not be appreciated. It's, they would rather sacrifice all of that for a more balanced life. So there was like a lot of beauty that came out of that. People were forced to connect more with nature because there was nothing mm -hmm. else to do. You couldn't go indoor to a shopping mall and spend your money at, at, you know, that kind of stuff. So people were going for walks in force more and, and doing more things like that. So there's a lot of beauty that came out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And in my own personal life, I like tons of beauty. Pandemic were some of the best years of my life in a lot of ways. Hmm. Became a father, <laughs> you know, like well, a lot, a lot of like, yeah, thanks man. Like a lot of cool things happened in there. So like, you can't like ignore that. And I think that Paulo Girardi's covered the colors and like the composition really captured a lot of the beauty. But when you, when you start to zoom in, it's a hideous fucking piece. Mm -hmm. It's it's demented. Uh, there's hordes and hordes of these entities portaling into this world, and, and that's what it felt like to us. Like whether it's microscopically from like a viral perspective, whether it's from conditions or restrictions or whatever, all of these fucking things that we didn't ask for portaled into our worlds and completely decimated what we thought life was. And so, so the, the piece itself is, is absolutely incredible to depict all that. And second to that, and last before I shut up, <laughs> and at any point in time, you know, just tell me because I'll, I'll ramble on like a motherfucker, uh, is that we, we, we tapped into another artist again um, on Harbinger um, to create like an additional component to the artwork. Mm -hmm. And his name is Adrian Baxter. 
uh and i'm sure you know who he is because you know, i just listened to your uh uh you know one of your podcasts which you know one of the uh the guys talks about working with adrian mm-hmm. and he's a phenomenal artist phenomenal and he, he did some stuff for us on on inversion as well a seal that we uh, wanted to create that again has all sorts of symbolism tied into it but we wanted something also very uh appropriate for harbinger and we we reached out to him to uh, create uh like an ouroboros right which is basically like a like a snake devouring its tail right and in fact like the word ouroboros in greek literally means tail devourer hmm. right um but like the, the actual meaning behind like an or ouroboros um like ancient Egyptians refer to it as like cyclical time, right? So is that they understood that time is a series of repetitive cycles and it's not something linear, right? It's these is cyclical and it, and at the same time it's constantly evolving, right? Which is very interesting. And so the idea behind the Ouroboros, which is a big part of our package is that in this case, the serpent, which to me always represents the darker side of things. Mm-hmm is devouring its tail. But if you look at the tail, it's rotted. It's just bones, right? The, the head of the serpent demon is all fleshed out, but at the end, it's consuming its own rotting tail. And I and I personally believe just in general that the cycle of life is just devouring our own decay, our own death. And, and it's something that for us as a band, musically, we're always going to be... Uh, producing an evolution of that musically and i think that for life the world planet in general i mean we haven't seen the worst yet right Mm -hmm. because like the next cycle is going to be far worse than the last and it's evolving evolving in severity evolving in intensity and you know we could go on and on about that so like even that particular symbol um has a lot of meaning for what we personally well what i personally believe what the band in, in itself as the formatory believes musically and what we thought was important to convey even on a subconscious level you know, most people will never know what that particular or bore symbol that we got made means but but it has a lot of that meaning tied into it so yeah, yeah so we're really happy to answer your question we're really happy with the artwork <laughs> and <laughs> great and, and top notch that's great and, and paul Hardy is just in the end <laughs> <laughs> no 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 yeah and he you know uh i'll just dive into this like really quickly about paulo Girardi. uh although it took years and years and years and years to, to get him to be ready to to deal with an unknown band like us once he was in he was in 150 percent, and mm-hmm. it was uh it's an absolute pleasure to watch him work i mean he wrote out our concept he rewrote our concept by hand on paper he did his own sketches. Uh, he was sending us stuff regularly. He was really immersed. You know, he wanted to listen to our music and feel what we were kind of doing. Like he was, he really poured himself into the piece. Hmm. And I believe he does that with every piece because that's just the kind of artist that he is. And, and it was, it was absolutely uh, worth the wait uh, times a hundred to work with him uh, on, on this piece. And, and we would gladly wait another hundred years to work with him again because it was just uh, the end result was incredible and watching him through the process was a real privilege. It's really good to hear that, especially because you waited so long, but now you not only have an incredible finished product, but you know, the painstaking process that it took to get there. Yeah. It was like, he like tried, tried to literally take it all in 
understand the concept, the music and everything. And then like literally give birth to that painting, you know, mm -hmm. it was, uh, I think, I think the piece is probably, I think one of his best, I mean, as Charlie talked about, I mean, the color choice I think is, is absolutely incredible. You know, I mean, there's just some really beautiful colors in there. It's, it's a beautiful piece, uh, you know, of some, you know, not nice things, you know, and when you zoom in on that, I mean, there is so much detail um, and, and all the different figures that build up those columns and stuff like that. I mean, there's, I really think it's one of his truly his best pieces that he's ever done. Yeah. I'm really proud that it's, you know, associated with us. That's really cool to hear. I, I love hearing stuff like that, especially when um, there's so many artists out there. You could go to pretty much anybody and you chose this one guy because of like your preconceived notion of how he works and obviously um, his artwork itself. And then he just surprises the hell out. And that maybe not surprises you guys, but definitely shows you guys that it was worth the wait. Yeah, you surprised me on it. I, I think the look of this one is it's definitely it's definitively him. But mm -hmm. but I still think it's I still think it's different than, than some of it's more traditional stuff or whatnot. You know what I mean? I think uh, why I think it's why I think it's one of his better ones for sure. What I, what I love the most about it, in fact, is is the um, the the deformed look of the proportions. If you look at the cover, the, the like if you were working with a digital artist to, to recreate that kind of idea, those two portals, if you will, would be mm -hmm. perfectly symmetrical. Right? It, it, it would look much more in line with yeah, each other. Yeah, more the, balanced, more symmetrical. Yeah. And this this is just like a little off. It's kind of like, well, it, it's like it was painted by hand. And in fact, like, you know, Paulo also uh, painted our symbol, which is like associated with us um, uh, in there as well. It's tucked away in like one of the, the rock spires at the bottom mm -hmm. of, the, of the painting. And even that is like, it, it looks, it's like our symbol, but it's like different. You know, everything's just like a little, a little off uh, from what you would, like what your mind would want it to look like. And I love that. I, I love that it's just like a little bit fucking like, oh, you know what? Is it is it correct? <laughs> I, I love that kind of like feeling of, of looking at it and being like, well, it must be because like this guy's a fucking pro. And 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 yeah, so I, I personally really like that. And, and there's like a lot, a lot of detail um, into the piece. If you zoom into it, mm -hmm. it it's just uh, I can't get over how he paints, um, paints us stuff. Um, and, and yeah, I think for, for us, we we've talked about this a lot um, today and, and throughout you know, all the years of us playing, like art is a big part of our, of, of our band. Like we spend just as much time thinking about art and searching for artists and, and finding new artists and experimenting with like right now, experimenting with mid journey, like ourselves, mm -hmm. like to kind of come up with new ideas. Art is just as a big of a component to us as writing riffs and, and, and developing drum patterns. So, um, yeah, so it was really, really cool. Uh, great experience to work with Paulo and, and, and Adrian, of course, um, who nails everything out of the park, like how he interprets and is able to understand our fucking convoluted ideas and, and just replicate them perfectly is beyond me. And he's just a, a, a monstrous talent. So yeah, it's a real privilege because we're nobody. We're not on a major label. You know, we're not, we're not bringing them, you know, any exposure. Like, in fact, it's like the opposite, <laughs> you know? So, so it's, it's just, again, it's really nice that even though it's transactional, right. Uh, it's still very genuine. Well, that just goes to show like their work ethic and their and like you said being genuine they they, they put their everything into even somebody who's relatively unknown when it comes down to it yeah it's it's it's, it's great it's a real honor
you guys said that you were fans of Paolo's um, artwork beforehand. Do you guys remember the first time you encountered his artwork and maybe what it was? For me, it was off Inquisition covers. So I, I really, uh, really like, despite some of the things that happened with uh, Inquisition, like whatever, musically, like just incredible stuff. And, and Paolo did or, or redid a lot of their album covers. Mm-hmm. And um, um, yeah, the, the, the first one that I, I, I really loved, which I think was like... Um, Hold on. Let me just double check uh, really quickly here. Yeah, it's obscure versus for the for the multiverse. Yeah, that's a killer cover. Okay. Yeah, and that that's the one that for me when I saw that I it was like being in an art museum for me. I was I stood in front of this image and just stared at it for what seemed like hours uh, because I I kept finding new new things and and I couldn't believe that this was an oil painting. Um, and then that 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 caused me to really dive into Paulo Girardi's work. And it was like every piece that I kept finding of his, I was like, holy motherfuck, this guy is just nuts. And then, and then obviously he's really like friendly and personable and stuff like that. So, so when we befriended him on social media, you get to kind of get little tiny glimpses of like who he is as a person. And like, man, he's just like, fuck, he's just living his best life, man. He's just, just like a, a genuine genuine guy doesn't give a fuck having fun uh, really into metal doesn't care what anyone thinks and just has like this immense immense talent so yeah um definitely the the, the old inquisition stuff uh, mm. of his really sparked my interest in him what happened with inquisition i don't know anything about that side of things oh man you got you got to read up on that uh been some trouble with the uh, law for some illegal images let's just put it that way Okay, interesting. Yeah, so, so like the main guy, I forget what his real name is, but he goes by like Dagon or whatever the fuck, but uh, mm-hmm. he pled guilty to like child pornography or something, right? Oh, so yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I mean, whatever, you know. The artwork's fucking cool. The music's fucking cool. I still listen to Inquisition stuff. Like, I'm not, you know, like uh, <laughs> taking his lead on like his own personal proclivities, <laughs> but like the music itself is fucking great. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, there's another whole battle between that. It's like, when do you stop supporting someone because they're a piece of shit? It's like, well, I mean, it's different partly because a lot of people are streaming nowadays, but back in the day, you wouldn't throw out like an album or a book if somebody turned out to be a piece of shit after the fact. Well, you know what? It's when do you stop publicly supporting someone? Because yeah. like, you know, these people like, you know, are virtue signaling as much as anything else. Like, you know, they'll say all the things that they think will make them sound, you know, part of the trend and will make them accepted. But like, all those people that claim to throw out the Inquisition albums, I guarantee you they're fucking at home listening to fucking Inquisition because mm-hmm. the goddamn killer band and they put out some incredible fucking music and you can't throw out gold. I mean, that's just like the currency that never dies. So, Well, and it's strange too because people pick and choose who they decide to cancel. Like there's plenty of artists um, in multiple genres that do really bad things that continue to do really bad things that people are still supporting. And then there's the whole like... The whole liberal side of things are saying that, you know, people that they go to jail for whatever reason, they should be able to be rehabilitated and changed and stuff like that. But then they're so quick to jump on on somebody who says something wrong or does something wrong. It's like the dichotomy doesn't make any sense. If you're liberal, it does, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I totally agree with your perspective there. You know, if you believe somebody can be rehabilitated, then you believe they can be, right? I mean, why? Yeah. Well, you know, like you said, right? Why do you cancel somebody out, but yet somebody's okay to rehabilitate? Yeah. Well, it's just, uh, it's a basic, the old saying, it's like you can lead a horse to water, but they don't, ha- they, you can't force them to drink. Yeah. It's, 
it's that person who has to make a conscious choice and if they choose to continue being a piece of shit then there's nothing you can do yeah but if they want to take all those resources and change their life for whatever reason yeah. they're going to yeah. so and yeah and then the, there are people that romanticize those shitty elements in people like just you know all the people that still worship what varg does mm -hmm. for whatever goddamn reason like like you know because he's part of like this like amazing mythos of black metal lore you know they'll, they'll still blindly support this clown despite like all of his crazy bullshit and at the same time like in spite of his absolutely horrendous music right like <laughs> but but you know so like at, at the end of the day it doesn't really matter cancel not cancel support not support i mean people you know at the end of the day it's uh, it's People are just closeted, you know. Mm -hmm. If someone if someone's like on the crosshairs, like how many people do you think rewatch Louis C.K. fucking stand up comedy, you know, comedies specials when he was canceled for like jerking off over a phone? Like <laughs> I know I did because I fucking love Louis C.K. Like yeah, sure, what he did is like super weird. I would never do it. Wouldn't even cross my mind a single single fucking time. But goddamn, is he ever funny? And like sometimes I want a good laugh. Sometimes I want to listen to Inquisition. Like yeah, the guy's like a complete made some completely junk decisions mm -hmm. and we have we don't have any idea of the full picture sometimes they say it's child pornography but who knows what the actual content was like there's so many different elements uh there that we just don't know but to me does it matter to me like is 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 knowing what that person does in his personal time going to influence how his art affects my life and you know like just taking the inquisition for example some of some of the ideas that he created on Inquisition albums have influenced me as a guitar player tremendously, mm. tremendously, and and I'm not gonna uh, personally, even though I don't agree with whatever choices he made personally, I'm not gonna completely eradicate that influence that he's had on my creative life because at the end of the day, when everything hits a fucking fan, like everything we've just been talking about for the last hour about Harbinger, mm -hmm. when everything hits a fan, what do I dive into to get me through it? It's fucking music and it's creativity and mm -hmm. it's artistic expression. And a lot of my current artistic expression is derived from fucked up people who coincidentally <laughs> happen to play in a fucked up style of music. That's the most extreme in the world. And yet we're yep. all fucking surprised that these people are doing crazy shit on the side. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> so it's like, we're all so surprised that like someone famous, like uh, Tommy Lee shows his dick on, 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 on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I mean, like this aside from drumming, that's all he's that, that's what he's known for you know is, yeah. is that like, you know and like so yeah so i think there's like a lot of that kind of stuff like cancel culture or whatever um you know fortunately it doesn't really impact us because like we don't really have a culture within the formatory to cancel we're all pretty straight laced when it comes to a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and we're, we're not big enough for anything if people want to cancel that's fine we'll start like we'll just change our name and like no one will know will like be the wiser I mean, you know we'd have mean? to get like press coverage and stuff like yeah. that, right? So, I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have like we'll wear masks. We'll do like change our names, like we change our identities online, like all that stuff. Like yeah. happens in two nod. seconds. The form a nod or something like <laughs> that, right? We'll wear, uh, <laughs> we'll wear some masks or something. We'll, we'll just go back to twelve masak. No one knows like yep. what that is. No one no, knows. But, but you know what I mean. So like it doesn't impact us. But I I think overall it's really annoying that um, and not everyone, but. The people who are quick to jump on a on a particular bandwagon without having their own individual thought or opinion about it, mm -hmm. uh, which then it becomes you know it becomes truth, and and that I think that drives me nuts because like I have my own opinions like and we're just we're picking on Inquisition today you know I have my own opinions about him as a person 
about Dagon as a person and my own opinions about the music in general. Um, and I could separate the two. Uh, and I find it bewildering that others can't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And like maybe at the time that he wrote some of my favorite riffs, like on one screen he had Reaper and on the other screen he had his fucked up images. Like maybe, maybe that's how he created his shit. Like I have no idea. I don't fucking care. It doesn't impact me or my family in the least like in the least i'm not going to cancel someone just because of that mm-hmm. no fair enough and like we've already touched on it but it doesn't even matter if it's music if it's like any level of celebrity there's always people doing fucked up shit and it's not until people find this out that they're against them it's the first one the first celebrity that i ever really heard of doing something crazy was probably oj simpson and at the time people were obviously pissed off about what he did and um for good reason but a lot of other people were still praising him for his football and it's like you can't really you can't really separate those like you can separate them because they're two different people like his performance in football is mm-hmm. obviously incredibly better than as a person but he's still a good football player you have to admit that it's objective and everyone and, and yeah. everyone fucking tuned in to the mm-hmm. trial mm-hmm. everyone was fucking glued to that tr- i remember because i used to have to come home from school and tape it before my yeah. parents get because my, my <laughs> parents didn't want to miss a goddamn second of that trial and i remember taping two things in my life for my parents one is dallas for whatever fucking reason and then the other is the oj simpson trial you know and no matter what you know people are drawn to fucking train wrecks you know uh, oh totally and and, and uh, yeah so it was like it was captivating at the same time like questionable questionable behavior but eh, i can't really look away and i think like that you know maybe there's a little bit of that in what we're kind of experiencing and, and you know and i think it goes without saying and probably the last thing i'll say about this is there are people that rightfully you know deserve to no longer have a platform you know you can't cancel what they did mm-hmm. you can't cancel their work you can't cancel all the you know the the achievements that a person made and you know all, all the times that you know inquisition made good music or louis ck made fucking great uh stand up or every time fucking weinstein produced like an absolutely killer movie that we all love that's still part of our collection and part of our you know whatever um but rightfully so there are some people that deserve to have their platform <laughs> you know, curtailed. And I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but uh, but the idea that you could cancel an, an entire band's discography. Yeah, it's a slippery slope, really, like when it comes down to it. If that's if that's what you are going to do, it's going to be easier and easier to start canceling people for stupid reasons. And I mean, not that's not a stupid reason necessarily, but it will get there at some point. Yeah, it's fucked up, man. But like, you know, like like we keep saying, you know, the 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 world is just a big bag of flaming shit, and uh, <laughs> it ain't gonna get any better, unfortunately. Inquisition is band that like inspired you over time. Um, Neil, we talk about your inspirations uh, during the last podcast. So, Charlie, who are some of the other metal bands or even just musicians that inspired you to begin playing guitar and to get into metal? Uh, fuck. Uh, so I, I have always been into like hard rock because like my dad. You know, so growing up, like, ACDC was, like, playing when I was in the womb, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, like, in my mother's womb, kicking to Hell's Bells, right? So that kind of music was is a, is a part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as as long as I can remember, as long as I could consciously remember, uh, I've always been drawn to music that had that, you know, those elements. Mm-hmm. Drums, energy, guitar, that kind of stuff. Certain music came on that just did not resonate with me like at my core mm-hmm. you know like if, if an abba song came on there was nothing in my being that wanted me to dance you know to fucking abba or to prince or 
you know, to any of the, <laughs> any of those artists, like it had to be, there was, there needed to be like this very electric energy mm-hmm. to it. So, um, I, that, that's part of my DNA. And, and I hope that that's being imparted to my son as well. It's part of his DNA. And I, I could already tell you right now that, uh, if I play music, like my music, like metal, death metal, he's moving, he, he's, he's resonating with it. If I put on something that I think he should dance to like, uh, I don't know, another one bites the dust by queen, which like, how can you not fucking move to that song? <laughs> right. My son looks at me like I'm an idiot. Like, what am I putting on? And he's not even two. So I think that there's something like in the DNA, you know what yeah. I mean? And so as long as I can remember, that's always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into heavy metal specifically when I was 10. I got a stereo system for my birthday. And back then it was just like two tape decks, a turntable, AM, FM. The CD player was a separate thing, an add-on, this gigantic add-on that we had to plug in uh, afterwards that I got like two years later. But uh, when I got my stereo system, we had someone living in, in, in our home, like a, someone who was renting a room and he was a bit older and, uh, he gave me a milk crate, uh, full of his old records as like a, oh, cool. for my birthday gift. Nice. Uh, like you got a stereo, you need some albums. And there were black Sabbath vinyls, Ozzy Osbourne vinyls. So I was 10 years old listening to, you know, master reality, <laughs> arc at the moon, going to school with like, you know, trying to recreate these art pieces. Like the album covers, like, you know, my doodle book and, you know, teachers calling my parents be like, uh, do you know that your son's drawing like the devil? <laughs> um, I, you know, I went to a French Catholic school and my parents would be like, yeah, it's fucking like, it's who cares? <laughs> like whatever. It's just Ozzy Osbourne, like get over it. Uh, and I was really, I'm very, very fortunate that my, my parents always kind of took that kind of stance with, with regards to, to that. Like teachers were more concerned than my parents. My parents understood it was music and mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you know, we'd, weren't running a coven at my home. You know what I mean? Like we weren't sacrificing goats to Belial, like none of that stuff was happening. Not but, yet, uh, least. yes. So 10 years old, black Sabbath and Ozzy, uh, really kind of catapulted me. And then, um, the, the following year I was 11 and I was going into junior high school. Mm-hmm. So a bit younger than the normal, but, uh, I was, you know, uh, in, in grade seven and, um, someone at that time asked me, uh, you know, what kind of music I was into. And, you know, like if I listened to music, so yeah, you know, I listened to, to Black Sabbath and I had like my Walkman with my tape that I would make, you know, of my favorite Black Sabbath tracks. And so I would listen to on the bus going to school in between fucking classes, you know, going from class A to class B, listening to, you know, 35 seconds of Iron Man, like, or whatever, you know, I was listening to. And uh, he asked me if I ever uh, listened to a band called Cannibal Corpse. And mm-hmm. I said, no. And then he opened up his plaid shirt because back then, like in the early 90s, like everyone was wearing fucking plaid shirts, you know. Uh, and you know, or uh, long sleeve shirts underneath their short sleeve shirts, whatever. So he he pulls off like his grunge fucking plaid shirt, and it's uh, the Butchered at Birth album cover. And I was and, and again, I was 11 years old. This is my first time like being away, uh, like not in an elementary school. And this guy has this cannibal corpse shirt. I'm wearing like a Black Sabbath dehumanizer, dehum- mm-hmm. yeah, dehumanizer shirt, and he's got this cannibal corpse Butchered at Birth. He's like, well, I'll make a tape for you. I'll bring it in tomorrow. So he, sure enough, he hands me this tape and it was, there was no song titles on it. It was just Animal Corpse. And, uh, I, I never listened to Black Sabbath again for the rest of the year. I just listened to that, that tape until that tape disintegrated. And until I was, uh, I had enough money, uh, and I just turned 12 to go to the record store and I found a Cannibal Corpse album in the bargain bin and it was mm-hmm. the bleeding. 
and I picked up the bleeding and it was, it was a censored cover and I opened up the CD and it was a bright pink CD. And later, you know, you learned that it was like a fuck up and depressing or whatever. And, and in, in the, 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 the booklet, there was no lyrics. It said, if you want lyrics, write to us, we'll send them to you. I wrote to them. That's cool. And they fucking send you, they, they sent me a fucking printed lyrics uh, with some stickers, welcome to the MAGA club, like all this fucking, it was just awesome. And again, I was 12 and it was just me and this one guy, uh, no one else in my French Catholic junior high school were listening to this. And then I, I saved up enough money to buy Deicide Once Upon a Cross. Mm-hmm. And that was like the same year. So from 10 to 12, I went from Sabbath and Ozzy and Van Halen and Alice Cooper and all that fun stuff to death metal. And I, didn't i have never deviated since people would try and introduce me to like you gotta listen to slayer i'm like oh yeah that's fucking cool no thanks <laughs> i want to i you know i need to hear some I, like why are the vocals why why do they sound like a girl right mm-hmm. like that's what i like i used to say all the time about slayer like they, he sounds like a pussy right because i was into death metal like so early on now as i got older like obviously old metallica old slayer old sepultura that kind of stuff like obviously grew to love but i I went from zero to 100 Mm -hmm. pretty early on and 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 as a result i wanted to play guitar Mm. because the thing that resonated with me the most was the guitar licks and when you listen to the bleeding and i listened to i've listened to that album uh more times than is probably considered normal um and that album has the best every fucking riff is just mint it's like they had a checklist like this out al- this every riff needs to be killer and they nailed it on that album as far as i'm concerned and uh fortunately in my junior high school uh there was a music club and it was classical guitar and what was really cool about this is that uh, they would have let's just say 20 30 different kids like you know seven and eighth grade that was junior high school for us part of this music club and they would learn these great pieces like stairway to heaven tears in heaven by uh clapton and like some classical pieces they would learn them together as this gigantic classical guitar orchestra and they Mm -hmm. would travel to different schools and play play these songs and uh when i when i heard that when i was in because you know your first day junior high school right Mm -hmm. they they put on like the show like the eighth graders put on the show i knew i wanted to play guitar right away uh, and what was really cool is that my music teacher uh, was the guy who was in charge of this music club, and he let me sign out a classical guitar. I, I, came, I came from a family that had, uh, when I say no money, I mean like literally no money <laughs> in a lot of ways. So there was there was no way I was getting a guitar anytime soon, but he would let me sign out a classical guitar every day after school. I would have this gigantic classical guitar case. I would bring it home, and every day I would bring it back, and I would pick it up, and it was like, it was super inconvenient, um, but... I, I lived with it and uh, I started learning the stuff that he would be teaching in the music club. But mm-hmm. at the same time, once I got a little bit comfortable, the first thing I wanted to learn was, you know, strip raped and strangled uh, through the eyes <laughs> of the dead. And, and, um, and finally, um, you know, my, my parents, well, my dad specifically saw how like committed I was to the guitar and I don't know what he had to do to get the money to buy my first classical guitar. But my dad hustled like you wouldn't believe because mm-hmm. he's just a badass motherfucker like that. Hustled. And um, for, uh, for for my my, um, my birthday, which is like on Christmas, um, said, I can't give you a lot of gifts, but I could give you this one guitar. And he's like, and, and if you stick with it for the, for the next year, I'll get you an electric guitar because I know you want to play 
electric guitar. And fuck, I stuck, I played that guitar every single day. I, I never changed the strings because I didn't know you had to do that, <laughs> you know, back then. <laughs> I played this until the strings were so rusted, it was, it was a tetanus shot waiting to happen. And, and then, uh, yeah, a few years later, uh, two years, I, I got an electric guitar, and but I was still playing death metal. I was still playing like uh, heavy metal at that time. So I got I got into music pretty early on. It was part of my DNA. I got into actual playing music because of Cannibal Corpse. I only wanted to play death metal. My first death metal songs that I learned by ear because there was no tabs. I didn't. There was no at that time. There, I there was no internet. There was no like guitar tabs, whatever. Right and Cannibal Corpse tablature wasn't like in the guitar world magazines like it wasn't happening so you know kind of like my own versions of those songs that as best as i could play on a classical guitar without distortion is how i learned how to basically play metal and hmm. i didn't play with a guitar pick because I, I i didn't have that guitar my first one i i couldn't use a guitar pick as part of like the sign out process for school so everything i learned like trem picking hmm. was like with my finger right like with so it was like it was it was a really cool thing, but but I grew super obsessed with the guitar um, from the moment I I picked one up, and uh, uh, but but that obsession unfortunately came at a price because um, I didn't care about being taught, mm. I, I, and which is a shame. And and looking back, if I were to do things differently, I would obviously have gone to music class because like what I ended up doing was I would skip school to play guitar. And, and just like play guitar that like played metal or try my own versions of metal or whatever the case may be. I never learned proper technique. I never learned proper theory. I never learned all these things that were available in this school and beyond uh, from a phenomenal. And when I look back, like this teacher I know now was just like, fuck, I really missed out on an opportunity. This guy was like legit, like a whiplash type of fucking teacher. Like this guy, short story, his, he, he had a big beard mm -hmm. as a teacher and his face was all fucked up like all fucked up and the story goes he, he was obsessed with the beatles and uh, uh one day his house caught fire he got his family out but then ran back inside to grab his beatles collection and burned his whole face in the process like this guy was Jeez. a music obsessed kind of guy and was an incredible teacher uh all of the basic concepts how i teach other people to play guitar like i've taught my brother i've taught uh some of my colleagues kids and things like that over the years the fundamentals uh, mm -hmm. come still from there, from like, you know, we're going like 30 years ago, right? Uh, how much of an impact this guy made. So yeah, so that's how I kind of got into to music in general as a whole and, uh, and into playing guitar and, you know, the rest really is history. I haven't gotten any better. I, I still am pretty much the same kid just fucking noodling around <laughs> on a classical guitar. But man, I love it and I'm still obsessed with it, so. It's awesome to see an obsession or, or an interest last that long, especially with your level of investment. Like you guys have both learned an incredible amount in learning on your own. Um, now, my next question then, Charlie, is uh, who are some of your favorite bands? I know we've touched on a couple of them. Um, yeah, fuck, it, it's again, it's hard, man. Like when you're obsessed with music and, and like music is like everything that you listen to and everything that you do, it's like it's hard to pinpoint favorites. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I find myself, you know, I listen to tons of new music all the time. I'm always seeking out something new. I, I drive, I think, Neil crazy. I'm always sending him links like, dude, check this out, check this out, check this out, check this out. And like, he, he maybe replies to like 50% uh, of them. Like, yeah, check that out. It was pretty cool. And like, you know, I'm, I'm constantly finding these new bands um, and, and I love it. But I keep going back to the to, to some of the classics. And some of those classics like are old D aside, like Legion, Once Upon the Cross, old 
older cannibal corpse i go back to that stuff like morbid angel uh you know like formulas and uh you know uh, that kind of stuff uh hate eternal is a band i go back to and cryptopsy is a band i go back to all the time because mm-hmm. you know they, they were a band that made a, a huge uh, impact on me they were one of the first uh death metal bands i saw live as a uh, you know as a young kid i remember sneaking into the show and uh, and you know <laughs> that kind of stuff and they were just like you know just as intense as possible but there's also like uh this this whole other current of bands uh that that are my favorite that right now i have like the pleasure of playing in like there's a band called diamon which we kind of talked about a bit earlier and, and you know they're from ottawa and they've been playing for like 25 something plus years but uh when, when i was a, like a teenager or, uh or a, like a younger adult i guess uh they were a band that i looked up to like a crazy amount when i saw them live i was like man these guys are fucking i can't believe they're from ottawa like these guys are the next big thing like these guys are just incredible um, and, and they're just a killer, killer band and, and their discography is really varied as well. And it, it's actually right now, it's really cool. I, I'm, you know, kind of just learning to play their stuff on guitar and I'm, you know, going to help them out writing their new album or, you know, play some shows and stuff like that. So, so we're getting to jam with these guys, which at one point were a band that I would seek out at whatever live show they were playing at is it, a really cool kind of experience. And, uh, and uh, uh, other bands that I'm, I'm really, really into, like Nile is a band that I think um, I, I could listen to over and over again uh, and constantly be blown away by what they create. Uh, I think that, you know, the first time I heard Nile, I just couldn't believe a number of things that I was hearing. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe the speed. I couldn't believe the sheer aggression. I couldn't believe that there was this band from fucking South Carolina or whatever the fuck they're from in the States playing like Egyptian style death metal. It blew my mind and it was so well done. And there's like war drums and trumpets and it's like this, this fucking experience, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there, there are bands like, like that, that, that have really influenced me a lot and that I keep going back to. Neil t- touched on earlier about like Origin as being like a band that like just, the minute you listen to, you know you're listening to something very special because they're just pushing they're still pushing the limits like as much as you know i may not revisit their newest album like i revisited some of their older ones like echoes or even antithesis like you you still when you listen to this band you you know that you're just like every one of these players are just top tier mm-hmm. like longstreth is a top tier drummer like um, at the top of the game fucking paul ryan top of the game in terms of of, of guitar playing hate eternal same thing eric Rutan is one of my favorite guitar players like anything that that guy is into fuck just go like his his contributions to the morbid angel discography are some of my favorite his guitar solos some of my favorite completely out there fucking atypical shit and i love it and now that he's playing in cannibal corpse i'm like fuck this is like you know the the little charlie like all my fucking like dreams are coming true with this with this guy so yeah so i found myself going back to like a lot of like the 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 really solid you know originals that you know we kind of talked about influencing us in deformatory a lot mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the newer bands that I've been like really into, um, like a band called Vitriol, yep. um, SEL, just like, again, um, I wish a couple things were a little bit different, like mix wise, but the one thing I don't care if you can't discern every single thing going on, there's like this energy, this atmosphere that, uh, for me is like when I first heard Campbell Corpse on tape when I was in junior high school, mm. I didn't understand everything the fuck that was going on. My, I, my ears couldn't even discern what the fuck was playing on those tapes but there was like this kinetic raw energy that did something in that 
code in my DNA that's always been there that like fucking fired me up and Vitriol and, and a few other bands that are very similar that are popping out now uh, do the same kind of thing. So yeah, so I, th- I hope that answers hope that answers your question. 100%. Actually, and my next question, uh, which you've already touched on, are some of the newer bands that you guys are both listening to or that you de- think deserve more attention? I'll let Neil go first because I think I've been talking for like six hours, so I'll just uh, <laughs> shut up for a bit and let, <laughs> let Neil go. No, but I think you're right, though, with Vitro, right? I mean, you know, again, I think they're really pushing it in a just in a, in a whole other direction, you know? I mean, it's, it, it, it's, I mean, it's ultra aggressive and everything, but just they have a very different style, a very different take on, on the music. Right. And I mean, which I, I think is great, you know, it's not uh, just a lot of the cookie cutter, you know, I've heard that production before and stuff like that, you know, where you have, you know, Oh, that must be done by this studio. Cause you know, it's got this drum sound. It's got the copy paste drum sound and stuff like that. I mean, you know, they're really pushing the limits um, really unique, you know? And I think that that's the neat thing is what, what they've done is very, very unique and, really really like what what they're doing you know i think they've been one of the more bigger influences in terms of uh for myself anyway in terms of more recent music um but i'll be honest i mean i, I always go back to a lot of the classic stuff because it, it, it's just so good and influential you know i and I'll, i will check out a lot of as charlie said i mean he sends me a lot of new stuff in order to check out and um i do check out you know stuff that's put out like on various different youtube channels and various stuff like that that i follow but um, I think, I think Vitro's probably the one that's really caught me the most in terms of actual staying power. Um, just again, because it was so different and, and you can see, I mean, you watch stuff when, uh, you watch that guy play, I mean, you watch Kyle play, I mean, like you, you see that passion and energy there. I mean, he's, that dude is just oozing the power and the energy. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's living that and, 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 and you see that in everything that he does. And I mean, like, it's great to see that kind of passion in the music, you know, and, um but yeah i know my that's probably the, the newest thing that i've really been liking a lot and i mean checking out a lot of other bands or whatnot but i mean really the, the vitriol things really mm-hmm. yeah, caught me. yeah I, I think what neil's touching on is like something that uh we're probably kind of being more uh more pulled towards uh whether it's even for ourselves like what we're trying to do now uh but also just like in music in general like a, a, a genuineness mm. to it all like uh, you know real passion people that are real um, and you know, real instruments and that kind of stuff. I mean, there, there are a million bands that are, are incredible musicians, incredibly proficient, virtuosos in every capacity, uh, great sounding, sonically sounding albums. Like, I mean, the, 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 the stuff that is produced now uh, is just crazy in terms of quality. But there, there's something like, you know, I'll just go back to like my DNA code thing, right? Like there, none of those, the majority of those don't resonate with me. I could appreciate them for what they are. I could, I could respect the musicianship, the production, the quality overall. Like I'm not stupid when I listen to this stuff. Like, like it's hard not to uh, listen to an Archspire album and be like, holy fuck. Mm-hmm. And we've played, we played with Archspire back in 2011 when they were, you know, just putting out their first EP and like they were still finding their sound and they were fucking up on stage like like mad, right? Mm-hmm. Like and. And that kind of stuff, which is like normal, which is like, you know, the, and they're phenomenal musicians. You know, listen to the stuff they're doing now and the, the limits that they're pushing. You, you can't not, as a musician or even as a listener, not be impressed with what they're doing. But there's nothing that's that's like inside of me that's like there's 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 no there's no fire that gets ignited, unfortunately, mm-hmm. with me with with that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm more gravitated towards music that is doing something for me internally. And what I'm finding is people that are genuine. And, you know, we were talking about vitriol, definitely at the top, 
top of there in terms of like a, a raw passion doing something really different as well like at least it, it's different because no you know maybe not everyone's like genuinely passionate like you know the they're you know they're more concerned about like their headless guitars and like whatever like fucking is trendy and what sounds good and mm. like which is cool you know but like uh, another uh, artist that for me is really resonating uh, a lot because of like some of that passion is is anything gene from angel corpse is doing mm. right so he's put out uh you know uh, an album from one of his projects called malefic throne self-titled fucking killer shit Electric Throne, absolute killer stuff. And then he puts out a new fucking Perdition Temple, which is like one of his other projects. Uh, another, uh, like an, an EP. It's like f- four new songs and then four cover songs, which are also just nuts. And so th- that came out this year. And Gene's going to also be playing on like a- another another band as well. And, and when you... What I love about anything that he does is, first of all, I've always been a fan of Angel Corp. Same, same with Neil... Uh, the 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 guitar style his riffing structure is very abnormal and i'm drawn to that just like naturally <laughs> uh, and everything that he touches as far as i'm concerned is just like completely genuine he's he's a, 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 a massively underrated musician as far as i'm concerned and what i love mm-hmm. the most is when he he puts out like a, a playthrough video it's not what what we do which is like three different camera angles edited fucking like little effects here and, and there and like everything's super well produced get the right lighting get the key light get this bullshit color grade no 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 jeans just like in a fucking cutoff shirt He's probably got a cell phone whatever he hits a button you can hear like the fucking music that 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 then you just and and he's playing so fast the lighting is so terrible the resolution is so crappy that his hand is just a fucking blur <laughs> and it's flawless and you know what it's real you know what i mean like I could hear the mistakes. I could hear like the things that are maybe a little bit off. Just like me when I play, I'm like, I don't play perfectly by any means. I'm always like a note or two off on everything. And I love that. And, and at the same time, like the, the overall package that he creates and, 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 and his projects put together, I think are just uh, really unique in, in today's, um, today's day and age. One thing that I dislike and then, you know, that's not something to wrestle about. Like, what, you know, what do you guys like? What are you into? But what, like, what do you fucking dislike? What do you guys hate? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm disliking is this, like, rising trend of old school death metal, right? Like, everyone's got to sound, like, entombed. Everyone's got to sound like, you know, the fucking buzzsaw, slow sludgy, caveman riffs. Like, everyone wants to be frozen soul, uh, soul or maul or all this kind of stuff. Like, there's a million new bands, which is, like, at the same time, really cool. There's, like, this whole new generation of kids, like, playing this, like, old-school death metal stuff. But, man, fuck, it does nothing for me at all. I could listen to an album and be like, man, that's a cool, that's, it sounds cool, some cool parts, some cool riffs. But as a whole none of that does anything for me and maybe it's because it's trendy right now and there's Mm -hmm. like a part of me that just like if it's trendy like even if i may like it i'm not gonna like it just because Mm -hmm. there's a part of my like dna that just can't do it just can't so yeah so uh definitely anything that 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 gene touches and uh you know angel corpse malefic throne Prishan temple um definitely check out because it's like it's real it's fast it's furious it's it's hateful and it's ultra creative. You won't hear anything like it. Awesome. Sounds good. And so the last question I normally ask, where the best place for audiences to find your guys' music? And I'm assuming that's still Bandcamp. 
support yeah. you guys. Yeah, and then you guys have also gotten on uh, streaming services. So where where else can you be found if people aren't familiar with Bandcamp? Listen, we're everywhere at this point. So you know, if, if uh, we're Bandcamp is obviously where we're put, putting everything, and you could find everything there for sure, hundred percent. Even like you know, all of our merchandise is all on Bandcamp now. We're, we don't have a separate website. We're not using anything else. Like it's all there. But uh, you know, like we said earlier, uh, the new album Harbinger is going to be released. Um, as a giant music video it's like you know the ep is like 16 minutes long so we have a 16 minute video that's going live on september 13th it's going to premiere on no clean singing a phenomenal website and uh, and then it's going to be public on youtube and you know we have the album as individual tracks ready to go on youtube so whenever that album's out we're just going to make those you know individual songs public uh everything is going to be on like you know the usual platforms spotify itunes you know, uh, fucking title, whatever, whatever is out there, stuff will be released, uh, you know, on September 13th. Awesome. Well, Neil, it was good to chat with you again. And Charlie, it was awesome to meet you finally. Um, thank you both again for joining me for this. And, uh, I really look forward to seeing the finished product of the EP. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.